G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The story. Something told me to walk around the rock just to see how my sister was doing. And the sight that caught my eye was absolutely astounding because there she was struggling in the water for her life. I couldn't just stand there. I'd learned life saving. She was about to have a child. Mm. And so I jumped straight into the water without thinking very much. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, one of those things I love about this program is the variety of people we hear from every day. People from a variety of places and backgrounds who have had fascinating experiences or compelling challenges. And today is no exception. Erica Berger is over 90 years old and has had quite a number of memorable experiences in her life. She's going down memory lane and reflecting on her rich life journey with Shelley Scowan. Erica, it's lovely to have you with us today. You had an interesting childhood. You absolutely adored your father. Tell us more about your dad. Oh, my my dad was my my um, hero. Uh, he he uh, just was loving, kind. He was a pastor, but not in the strict way. Uh, he made my childhood as happy as it could be. I ad- I loved my mother dearly too. She was a darling, yeah, and uh, supported my father very well. Um, growing up in a manse was very interesting for me because in those days um, we often got invited to christenings, weddings, you name it. And being the youngest child, I was uh, by far I was often dragged along to <laughs> all these occasions, and I got to play in on farm houses with other farm children and uh, I was a bit of a tomboy as well. <laughs> so this would have been 1920s and 1930s, was yes, it? Yes, yeah. the uh, late 1920s and the early 30s. In your younger years, you had a fairly dramatic circumstance uh, where you had to save your sister's life. Can you tell us that story? Yes. That was when I was in my early 20s. My older sister, by 10 years, was about to have a baby. Uh, I went to be there for the birth. It was so exciting for our family, the first child in the first grandchild it would have been for my dad. Uh, I went to be there, and uh, while there, we went on a fishing trip on their property, a sheep property, which ran right down to the Great Australian Bite. And so they had their own little private beach in a way, and that's where we were fishing at a little spot called Rocky Point. And now we were fishing away, my sister on one side of the rock and I on the other, while the husband was looking after some stray sheep on the property. Um, and something told me to walk around the rock just to see how my sister was doing. And the sight that, that caught my eye was absolutely astounding because there she was struggling in the water for her life. 
I couldn't just stand there. I'd learned life-saving. She was about to have a child. Mm. And so I jumped straight into the water without thinking very much. Wow. Uh, and did manage to hold her up against the waves for quite a while. Um, I held her up from behind and she started struggling because she was becoming unconscious. I lost her and the waves uh, washed over me too. They were becoming wilder. And uh, so I felt myself going under, drowning. Uh, I felt a peace. It's a good way of, of dying. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I wasn't terribly worried. I thought, well, now is my time to uh, meet the Lord. And I was prepared for it. So it didn't seem terribly hard. And I said goodbye to life and was just feeling sorry for my dad. Um, and became unconscious. So I didn't know where, what was happening after that. But uh, all of a sudden, there I was up against the rock. Uh, and my brother-in-law came along at the right moment. Uh, he had already pulled my sister out of the water. She was blue in the face and lying on the ground mm. while he was pumping water out of her. But he reached across to me and pulled me out. Um, and then I realized, I came to realize later that the way we were saved was through a fishing line being tangled around both of us. He had caught hold of the end when it bobbed against the shore uh, and found that we were attached to it. Wow. So <laughs> I regarded that as an absolute miracle of God. I thought it was, I knew it was an act of God. Yes. And just felt so, um, so um, thankful to the Lord that he'd saved both of us and especially since my dad had previously lost my mother oh wow and uh, that would have been three in the family that he would have lost and I felt so, so glad about the fact that we were all alive yes and I take it your sister then went on to have a healthy baby she had a baby about 10 days later, healthy girl. It changed my life. I, I must have grown up quite suddenly and thought mm. more seriously about life because I was still a happy go young girl and uh, had lots of fun and uh, joined in with, with other youth groups at that time. And uh, suddenly I was began to realise life can leave you at any time. You can lose your life even if you're quite young. Yes. I wanted to talk to you a bit, Erica, about your experiences of World War II. I believe you were a teenager when war broke out. What was that day like for you when war did break out? When war broke out, I was 19. And um, I think I remember we were all thunderstruck when it was announced that there was a war. Um, England had um, entered the war. And... Um, we wondered what was going to happen, of course, and everybody got in touch with each other and were looking at each other. Um, we didn't know what was going to happen, of course, for us, but men were being called up then, and um, young men also joined up for the, I think, for the experience, and because they wanted to fight for their country. Um, a few of my friends joined up, and uh, we had to say goodbye to them all, and... Uh, I were hoping and praying for them afterwards. Um, I remember that we were rationed then after a while because 
and we had to cut down on supplies. They didn't weren't coming in as usual, and they weren't. There wasn't so much production going on on the land, so we had to have um, ration tickets for for uh, butter and sugar, and um, we couldn't buy nylon stockings. Later really? on, the, the American soldiers used to supply the young ladies with with nylon stockings and <laughs> chocolate. They were the two things that they enjoyed getting from the soldiers. I didn't meet too many because I was in a country school teaching at the time. Right. Uh, and so I was away from the main scene. But uh, I remember that in the southern part of Victoria, Hamilton area, that we had to black out our windows yes. uh, at night, just uh, cover them with, with black material. And so that had to be done every night. So the lights couldn't be seen by aeroplanes. Um, I think there was a fair German population there and uh, they were even afraid that there might be some collaboration with, with some of the Germans, which wasn't the case, of course. Mm. Uh, so that we were had to be particularly careful. Um, so that that restricted travel, it restricted us in... Uh, having feasts and parties as we had before and we all became fairly serious and kept our ears plugged to the little radio sets we had. Sometimes they were crackly and yeah. you couldn't hear too well. But we knew in, on the whole what was going on. And of course when um, peace came later, there was great celebration. The streets were full of people by that time, we, we, were, we heard much more about it. And um, uh, we were just so happy that the war was over, of course, mm. and things began to change. But I remember we couldn't travel interstate, and I missed being able to see my friends because I had uh, attended a college interstate and had good friends in a, another state. Um, that we were restricted in that way as well. Oh, wow, that's interesting. One thing is true, that um, everybody had to work fairly hard, particularly people on the land. Um, they had it hard, and uh, there wasn't the, um, the transport or the uh, interaction. The roads were sometimes bad. Uh, as a teacher, I had to ride my bicycle along a rough, muddy road sometimes because it was just an earth road. And uh, sometimes I got to school late, even as the teacher, as the head teacher of a small school. Uh, one day I, I remember a, a, a humorous incident, an incident that I'll tell you about. Um, I was walking along with the, with the bicycle because I had to wheel it and couldn't ride through the mud. Along came a farmer with his his harrow, I think it was called. He stopped and said, hop on the harrows, I'll take you to school. <laughs> I did. I hopped on his farming instrument and arrived <laughs> at school in that, uh, the, in that manner. And the children never forgot it, of course. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. <laughs> it would have been very amusing for them. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, one of the differences yeah. in life back then. Tell and I me, I had to rescue the footballs when they went into the tank because there, <laughs> there was no grate on the top where, where there was supposed <laughs> to be a wire 
Uh, stop her. <laughs> so you got to go for a swim, hey? <laughs> I, I bet the kids wanted you to go for a swim. <laughs> and then, of course, in the winter, being in south southern part of Victoria, uh, we had a fireplace and I had to get a fire going so that we could get warm. So that, uh, when we told the, had the Bible story, it was a Christian little Christian school. They were dotted around the farming areas in those days. Um, we sat around the fire and had a Bible story before anything else. You're listening to The Story. Today, Shelley Scowen is having a chat with Erica Berger from the Gold Coast, who's over 90 years old and is reflecting on her rich life journey. Next, we'll hear how she eventually married a World War II German soldier. That and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today, Shelley Scowen is having a chat with Erica Berger from the Gold Coast about life in decades gone by. The world has changed drastically in Erica's over 90 years on this planet. And next, she'll share about how she met her future husband. Erica, I'm very curious about your love story here because what I know is that you married a World War II German soldier. How did that happen? How did you meet and uh, how did you fall in love? As I explained, I was teaching in my 20s in the country, in a country area. But uh, it came as a great shock one day to hear that my mother had died suddenly from a stroke, a fatal stroke. And um, my father was grief-stricken, so I went home to look after him. But uh, during that time... A little later, the um, the powers in charge took pity on him and thought he'd do well with a change. And uh, they offered him an appointment to a migrant centre where all the migrants were coming in, were arriving from overseas. Um, this was a, a, a gathering centre at Bathurst where they came off the ships okay. straight from the boats. And from there they sorted the people out. Um, now, my father was appointed as a chaplain in this migrant centre and he asked me if I would come along with him. He said he wasn't keen to go alone. So I went and lived in the camp with him in fairly good conditions. They looked after us as officers and we had plenty of food and some of the um, European cooked food that we were getting used to and uh, found it quite an experience and a challenge. Uh, I was helping my dad a little in the Sunday school area and in uh, visiting. Uh, There were 26 different nationalities and many of the the, um, Latvians, Lithuanians um, and Polish and Germans were Lutheran, which was our, our denomination. Uh, came from the came into the camp, so they were they were um, visited and looked up. Uh, 
but suddenly my father became ill and uh, a few nights later he died from a sudden heart attack. Oh, wow. So I was left alone, totally alone, no fa uh, my family far away in South Australia, my sisters, older sisters, and I had no home to go to, so I was totally at a loss. But uh, surprisingly, the immigration department officer there offered me a job in head office because the camps were beginning to um, deplete and you know, people were, were getting jobs from there and moving on and uh, I was offered a job either in, in um, Melbourne or Sydney in the head office because I could speak some German as well and that helped uh, and so I took the job in Melbourne having friends in Victoria of course uh, and um, worked in the, in the office the head office of the immigration department in the welfare section helping to, to uh, the people with their English and with their problems. Mm -hmm. They came in with various problems, as you can imagine. Um, and there was a lot of help being given, voluntary help from uh, lawyers and doctors at that time. It was wonderful to see how they were helping all these newcomers. Um, I attended the church in Melbourne and uh, my husband and some of his friends were there on a visit. In fact, my husband went there just to meet his friends there and they were standing outside the church. Now, my dream had been years ago, even as a child, a handsome prince, you know, how romantic young girls are. And <laughs> yeah. I was very, fairly romantic. Um, I dreamt of a, a tall, handsome, blonde, blue-eyed foreigner Wow! meeting up with me. Now, this young man was was like that and I, I passed him they were in a group I passed him when coming out of the church I waved to them and walked past next thing I knew he was at the tram stop where I, I was and came and sat next to me on the tram and that's how we met wow <laughs> and um, oh we just uh, we had quite a bit in common actually with son he, he was working as a and in, he'd trained as an engineer in Germany, but there was no job for him. So he'd come out with a group of, um, of ex-students that he knew um, just to have a look at Australia. They came out alone. Uh, the others went on to Canada. They weren't too pleased with the situation because they'd arrived at Fremantle and weren't very impressed with Australia from there. Yeah. Uh, and, and later they found they'd have to do very ordinary jobs um, same for my husband. Um, he worked as a, a draftsman in an office. He was fortunate enough to get that sort of work. Mm -hmm. but, um, later on, he was able to work as an engineer and uh, was fortunate enough to get a job on the Gold Coast. It was his ambition to come to a warmer climate. We had a little coughing boy who was born too early and um, we were told by the doctor at that time a warmer climate would be better. So we came up to the Gold Coast and he was fortunate, fortunate enough to get a job out of 57 applicants uh, wow. to the Gold Coast um, uh, Engineers Department. Wow, so God had it all worked out for you. Yes, I believe God was behind it all. Because, yeah. uh, my young boys at that time just loved being here and near the beach. And it was um, a great delight for me to 
be near yeah. the beach because I'd grown up very far away from it and always um, hoped for you know, them being closer to the beach. Yeah. And it, it had all happened for us. And I've been very happy here. I've had uh, good friends and my family is very close and supportive even though they're uh, in different areas. Erica, it's just lovely to chat to you. Time has gotten the better of us this morning. I could keep chatting to you all day, I think. It's just <laughs> fascinating to hear how life was in times gone by. I think certainly for us younger generation, it's nice for us to get an appreciation for people that have gone before. Uh, the challenges, the many challenges that you have faced and also the joys and uh, the whimsy of some of these uh, times gone past as well. Thank you so much for sharing just a tiny snippet of your story today, Erica. It's been lovely. Right. Can I just say that my goal now is to firmly set my eyes on heavenly glory whilst at the same time enjoying these present blessings. Mm. And thank you for allowing me to be able to speak and tell of my life. What a lovely way to put it as well. The goal is set on that heavenly glory while still being focused on your mission here on earth. Absolutely lovely. Thank you so much, Erica. Thank you too. That was Shelley Scowen chatting with Erica Berger from the Gold Coast, who's over 90 years old and, as we heard, has lived a rich and fulfilling life. But, as we also heard, her mission is not yet complete. Several Bible verses came to mind when she mentioned about heavenly glory. In Psalms it says, In your presence, Lord, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. My Father's house has many rooms. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Well, thanks so much for joining us today to hear Erica's life journey. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I didn't know about the award. We didn't know he'd been nominated or anything else. So it was it came effectively out of the blue. So it was very exciting. Paul has worked so hard and tirelessly. And for any of these awards, it didn't happen overnight. You know, there were bumps in the road. There were very tough spots and, and so on. But one of the things, his passion and drive never waned. In 2018, Paul Beaver from Melbourne was one of 15 people awarded the Goosey Peace Prize in the capital of the Philippines, Manila. The Goosey Peace Prize is Asia's foremost awarding organisation and is considered the Nobel Peace Prize of Asia. Paul and his wife Lee will share the long journey that led up to receiving this prestigious award next time. The The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.